and to feast by faith on the redemption that is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to, by His grace, also show that servant spirit, to show that deep humility and love for one another and kneel and wash one another's feet. And I've looked forward uh, to this day with you today, and, and we look for, forward to that later on. So i um, probably going to preach uh, a very short message uh, this morning because I want us to have plenty of time for our communion service. When I finish preaching today, I want to I have three songs that I want us to sing that really focus our minds toward the communion. But in between each song, uh, if there's anybody here that would be willing to express either love to Christ, love to the church, I want to give a time for testimony uh, today. You know, it says about our Lord's Supper. Jesus said, this do in remembrance uh, of me. I loved it when we uh, were in Alabama for Granddaddy's funeral, hearing all the people come and tell some of the wonderful things that they remembered about Granddaddy, what he had said or what he had done uh, in their life. And we need to do that always with the Lord Jesus Christ too. So just be thinking about that later on. Uh, during the service, if you would sh just share maybe a testimony of God's love to you, God's grace to you, or your love to the church, or love to Christ, love to hear that if we would have any of those. And then we'll go straight into the Lord's Supper and foot washing after that. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the first epistle to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 3. Many of you know that my New Year's resolution this year was to be a better follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and to become a better leader to those that he has called me to serve. And so through this year, I'll bring a series of messages on just that, on trying to be a better follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also how to be a godly leader, a good leader in whatever capacity that God calls you to lead in in your life. And so the title of the message this morning is Godly Leadership in the Church. Godly Leadership in the Church. We've talked about what it means to lead ourselves personally in our own lives. We've talked about what it means to lead in a family. But now we want to look at godly leadership in the church. And I'll tell you, I believe this to be true, that everything rises or falls based on leadership. If you have good leadership, usually you'll have good results. If you have bad leadership, usually you'll have bad results. Almost every family, every organization, school, government, country, uh, that can be true of. And it's true in the church as well. And that's why it's so important if you are a leader in the house of the Lord, that you are strive to be the kind of leader that makes the church better, that causes the church to be operating properly. Because when the church, beloved, is operating properly, it's one of the most. It is the most beautiful institution in the world. 
You know, and there's no higher or greater privilege afforded to man on earth than to be a member of the house of God. And if you are a member of the Lord's church, of His house this morning, may you and I be eternally grateful for that. If He's blessed you to have godly leaders in your life, a father, a mother, a grandmother, a pastor, a deacon, an older brother or sister, maybe just in the faith, maybe even not even related to you, could you praise God with me today that you had those in your life? And if you're striving to be that in your life, I encourage you in the Lord. All beloved, give yourselves to that and ask for all God's grace and help. So we begin our message this morning in the Word of God, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Hallelujah. Beloved, the church is a special place. The church is not something to take for granted. The church is not something that we can come into and demand changes of it. It demands changes of us. Beloved, it is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's where we learn what is true, what is right, what is wrong from the Word of God. And it tells us that there's a behavior, there's conduct that is expected of God's children in His house. This is God's house. This is not your church. This is not my church. This church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of it. He is the Savior of the body. He is our Lord and our Master. And our leadership, whatever role that we play, must fall under His leadership and look like His own. Amen? Paul would even say, as great a leader as he was, he said, only be followers of me as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see, beloved, something that has fallen on hard times in our day. And I'm going to start off with this. And I'm so glad that as I look among this congregation, I am preaching to a people who believe in what I'm about to say, who believe in what God's Word teaches about this, because a lot of modern Christianity are, are going off the deep end about this. But I believe that you know it to be true, and you affirm it, and you appreciate God's wisdom in it. And this is our first point. Leadership in the church must come from men. Leadership in the church must come from men. That in Brother Nathan's opinion, that's what the Word of God says. And it's the example that we have in Scripture. Let's go back in this chapter of 1 Timothy chapter 3 beginning in verse 1, as he describes the type of people that should be leaders in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice all the pronouns here. You know, we live in a day where people want to choose their own pronouns, right? Well, God is the one that gives out pronouns. God made male. God made female. He made them both in His own image. Beloved, there should be no confusion about that. There, there are men and there are women. God said in the order that he made them, man was made first and then woman after him. And he chose men 
to be leaders in families, leaders in countries, leaders in the church of God. That is God's design. And he made men to fulfill that role. And when men do not fulfill that role in the home, it destroys societies. When they do not fulfill that role in the church, it destroys churches. And so we must know how to behave ourselves in the house of God, behave ourselves as men, behave ourselves as women, and behave ourselves as children also in the house of the Lord. He said there's a certain way that you need to know how to behave yourself in the church of the living God, which he calls the house of God. And he says this is the pillar and ground of the truth. Beloved, he says, if I want you to just notice here all the pronouns here and the references here of leaders in the church are to men. Am I trying to denigrate women in any way by saying this? No. Some of the greatest leaders uh, that I've ever known in my life have been women. Hallelujah for golly women. Hallelujah for women like Esther in the Bible. Hallelujah for women like Deborah in the Bible. Hallelujah for women like Mary and Martha who, who served and sat at Jesus' feet and participated as much in his ministry as any of the men did, yet God did not give them role as leaders. He gave that to men. He gave it to them because God has the right, the wisdom to do that. God says that that's the way it should be. And beloved uh, brother, beloved brothers and sisters, that ought to settle it in our minds and affirm it in our minds. This is what God has said. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. I'm preaching against women preachers today. I'm pre preaching against women pastors. That is unscriptural. It's unbiblical. Now, that does not mean that women cannot teach the Word of God. They can teach the Word of God. Women are to teach other women. I'm so thankful for our women's Bible study. When you're getting together and you're learning from God's Word and you're teaching uh, one another in the things of God, that's right, that's proper and good to teach your children, your, your grandchildren. That's, that's all given by inspiration of God and, and, is, and is profitable according to the Word of God. But when it comes to leadership in the church, the Apostle Paul made it, very clear that women are not to teach nor to usurp authority over a man. God's word is clear on that. He says that the leader, the pastor, the elder, the bishop, he must be the husband of a wife. I know there's a lot of confusion today out there today, but I'll just put it plain and clear. A husband, according to the word of God, has to be a man. He has to be a man to be a husband. A woman can't be a husband. No, a woman, though, hallelujah, she can be a wife. Vigilant, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. These are all things that we need, qualities that we need to have as leaders in the church. You know, you shouldn't come to my house, to Brother Nathan's house, and find a beer in my hand, you know, and that I've been drinking all day. Oh, when you come into my home, you should feel welcome there. You should, you should feel the spirit there. You should see me inviting people to my house and the deacons as well that, that uh, we have a good reputation. We love to teach God's word. 
We, you shouldn't find Brother Nathan uh, with filling the pulpit with black eyes or bloody lips where I've been fighting. You shouldn't see me uh, driving the nicest car in the parking lot or, or uh, just always covetous after money. I'm not a brawler. I'm not covetous. You can't, you can't be a good leader in God's house if you, have these, if you don't have these qualities, God says. We see these qualities in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? Oh, hallelujah, that we have a leader that we can look to that is sinless and perfect and, and holy. Listen to this one. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Does that mean his children are perfect? No. Does that mean that they never make mistakes or do anything bad? No. But... What it means is that the Father addresses those things. He tries to discipline those things. He tries to correct those things. He tries to love His children in a way that they want to uh, follow the Lord. And that's all that a man can try to do. We can't, we can't regenerate them. We can't give them eternal life. All we can do is love them and teach them and discipline them and lead them in a good way. But children of leaders should not be unruly because He says this is why. For if a man... Know not how to rule his own house. How shall he take care of the church of God? And the church of God needs to be taken care of by men who are leaders. That have these types of characteristics. Not a novice. This is a person that would just newly come to the faith. You don't put somebody that's a new Christian or newly comes to the faith in a leadership position. Why? Because he might be lifted up with pride. And fall into the common condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have he. Do y'all see all these uh, pronouns? Are male, masculine. Report of them which are without, lest he fall in the reproach and snare of the devil. Likewise must the deacons. Here you go, Brother Kevin. Be grave, not double-tongued. Brother Kevin, when you tell us something, that ought to be the way it is. It ought to be of uh, the gospel. You shouldn't tell us one thing and then do something else. Right? You can't be given to much wine or greedy of fil filthy lucre. The deacons have to hold the mystery of the faith in pure conscience. It's, you're not believing one thing one day and then believing something, th something else the next day. And let these also first be proved. And let them be used the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives, their leaders too, in, a, in the second tier, be grave, not slanderers. That means you're not trying to spread gospel everywhere about everybody and everything sober you're serious you're faithful in all things let the deacons be the husbands here it is again of one wife ruling their children in their own house as well for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and a great boldness in the faith which is in christ jesus these things write unto thee hoping to come unto thee shortly and then our verse there it again but if i tarry long that thou mayest know how that thou hast behaved thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Why? Why should leadership in the church come from men? It is because God has said so. And if we vacate this position, it creates a vacuum. And men in the church, they need to lead in worship. They need to lead in prayer. They need to lead in attendance. They need to lead in giving. They need to lead in ministry, beloved. Men, I call to you, be leaders. Be leaders.
for the glory of God. For God will never bless female leadership in his church. He won't do it. He will not do it. Let's look just at a few scriptures. Let's look in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Paul, I mean John, writing to individual churches. He addresses there apparently was a church that was dabbling in female leadership in the church. And uh, John calls this uh, woman a Jezebel, which you know is a terrible term if you Look back in the Old Testament, the woman Jezebel was a murderer. She was an idolater. And John likens this, a woman that's trying to teach or lead in the church uh, to a Jezebel. Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and with them that commit adultery, with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And, and he goes on there to condemn that. But also in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we read how clearly that the scripture teaches about this. Beloved, just hear the word of God and let the matter be settled in our minds that leadership in the church must come from men. Here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, let's begin in verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Now let me just stop there. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. That both men and women should dress in a modest way. That means, beloved brothers and sisters, that we should never dress in a way to try to entice someone else. We should dress modestly, especially when we come to the house of God. That's how we should behave ourselves in the house of God, both men and women. It's very important. With shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Here's your leadership, women, is to lead in this, to not try to look like a woman of the world, but try to look like a woman of faith. Let the outside reflect the inside of your heart and vice versa. That don't mean that you can't have some nice jewelry. It don't mean that you can't dress nice. It doesn't mean that you can't braid your hair. But what he's saying is don't let that be what stands out and identifies you as a woman, but that you're a handmaid of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be adorned with those things. It says let the woman learn in silence, with all subjection. That don't mean a woman can't sing in church. It don't mean she can't pray in church. It doesn't mean that she can't talk to people, that she has to be quiet the whole time from when she walks in the door to when she walks out. But what it means is, is that she's very careful with her speech. She guards her speech. She doesn't try to come into church 
and act like she runs everything or runs everybody. She's very, she's very conscientious that uh, God and that Christ is the leader of the church and her leader and that he has also placed men in the church to lead in the church and to show respect to them and honor to them. And if she does that, God says, I honor her because she honors me. But he says, let her learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach. Here it is. Nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. When it comes to the overall leadership of the church. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity with holiness, with sobriety. Now, some women today, they try to say that, well, this doesn't count, that this doesn't matter because it was written by a man and this and Paul apparently was a male chauvinist so that we don't have to listen to that or to govern our lives by that. Well, sisters, then just go ahead. Just tear that out of your Bible. Mama, just rip it out. If you don't like it, and the other parts that you don't like, just rip it out too, and I'll go through and I'll rip out the parts that I don't like. And we can just all have Bibles and have a God the way that we want to be and serve and live the way that we want to because guess what? What we think and the way that we think it ought to be, it matters more than what God's Word or what God has said. Is that what y'all say? I say no. I say let God's Word be true. And every man be a liar. There it is. I don't think, beloved, that there's many ways to interpret that. I think it, it's just as plain. Now, now, people that don't like it can try to twist it. They can try to turn it. Uh, they can try to deceive you into thinking that that's not what it says. But you and I are rational, intelligent beings, and when something is written down plain and simple, we can understand it as plain and simple. And it is plain, and it is simple. And we would all be greatly blessed in Zion if we say to God, Lord, your ways are best. Your ways are right. We submit and honor what you have said. So, first and foremost, Leadership in the church has been designed by God to come from the men. Now, secondly, leadership in the church requires great diligence. Leadership in the church requires great diligence. Do you all know what diligence means? Diligence means that you can be counted on. Diligence means that you're consistent in doing what you say and saying what you do. Uh, diligence, it, it, it is uh, faithfulness. What is, it, what is it required in someone to be a good steward? They must be found faithful, right? So we must, as leaders in the church, if you're a leader in the church, that's one of the things that's most important is that you be diligent in your leadership. For the scripture says, Proverbs 12, 24, just write it down. Proverbs 12, 24, for the hand of the diligent shall bear rule. 
hand of the diligent shall bear rule. So we go now to the book of Romans, chapter 12. And one of the things that's so important in leadership in the church is that we use the spiritual gifts that God has given to us faithfully. For we're many members, but we're one body, right? And all members have not the same office. God has qualified those that he has called to serve him in different ways. He has given every one of us spiritual gifts to use for the glory of God and for the edification of the church. So let's look here and remind ourselves of this in Romans chapter 12 and let us make sure that we're using our spiritual gifts the way that we should, especially as leaders. Here he says, Romans 12, beginning in verse 5, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace of God that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. I always love what my daughter Larissa says about our church. She says, Daddy, we're preacher rich. <laughs> and it's true. Y'all are greatly blessed here to have three preaching, prophesying elders in one assembly. That enriches us, our experience, our being fed from the Word of God. We need to, and I know that you do, but I just want to encourage you to faithfully pray for the men of God, for your elders and pastors and deacons here at this church. It's so important that you cover them, that you saturate them with your prayers because they're going to be the instruments that God is going to use most uh, prominently to spiritually bless your life. And they're going to be the ones that are going to come under the heaviest attack of the world and of the devil. And don't I know it. Or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth. Here's another. Uh, maybe you give of finances. Maybe you give of time. Maybe you give of it good advice or help. Let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with what? What's the word? Diligence. Verse 8. With diligence. And he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Here are leaders in the church being diligent to use the spiritual gifts that they have been given in a faithful way. This means, beloved, that you've got to step up to the plate and take responsibility when you are a member of the church of the living God. There's a certain way that, that you must behave yourself. There are certain duties that you have to realize that are commanded of us and great privileges uh, uh, that are demanded of us if we have taken up our place in the house of God. And, and realizing that your action or inaction in these things makes all the difference. It makes all the difference in your life and in the life of the church. So, are you doing that? Am I doing that? Are there things that we see in the church where you and I need to step up to the plate and take 
responsibility and use our spiritual gifts and give of ourselves to the house of God, to the cause of Christ, and to do it with a cheerful heart and to, and to have uh, joy in our hearts to think to be used by God as a servant to his people. Beloved, we, we become leaders by learning about God and his ways. We, we learn how to be leaders sometimes by trying and making mistakes and correcting ourselves and going through life experiences. But what I would just encourage us all, whether that we're pastors, we're deacons, we're song leaders, we're, we're uh, members that have other roles of things that are so important in the church. You know, every single person in the church is just as important as every other single member. Did y'all know that? Brother Zayden, you're the youngest member of our church. You're just as important. I'm not even going to call out who's the oldest. I'm not even sure anymore. <laughs> but uh, they, they are just as important in the church together. The deacons are just as important as the pastors. Uh, just a, a sister in the church, just as important as the pastor's wife. There's no big I, little you. We all, uh, the I can't say to the hand, I don't have need of you. And we're all under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must all, all of us, must fulfill the roles that God has given to us in a diligent way. And that is what God sends his blessing down upon. And I so want that blessing for myself, and I want it for you and for our world. Now, lastly, as we begin to close, leadership in the church must exhibit humility. Leadership in the church must exhibit humility. You know, I shouldn't be ashamed if I'm asked to take out the trash uh, on third Sunday. I, that shouldn't that shouldn't be uh, beneath me uh, to do. I should be glad to do that, or or mow the grass, or uh, you know, when it comes to serving the Lord Jesus Christ, no sacrifice should be too great, and no service should be too small uh, for any of us. If we're if we're called upon uh, to serve, if we're asked uh, to do something or we see something that needs to be done in the house of God, that, that I'm a humble soul, and I say, like Isaiah said, Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me. Not send somebody else, or let somebody else do that, or, or take care of that. Oh, beloved, we must exhibit humility. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Oh, man, I'm so thankful that I can look back in my life and I can think about so many people that I have seen acting and, and doing and, and serving. Um, so many people in our church now that are doing this very thing and, and making our church such a wonderful place to come to and and be a part of 
Hallelujah for that. I praise you, Jesus. May, may we grow in that. May we all um, learn how to increase uh, by decreasing. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, ye have, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent to you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. But here was the problem in Corinth. This is why they were having so much trouble. And this is why every church ever has trouble. Because somebody begins to get the big head. Somebody begins to think I'm more important. Or what I think is better than what everybody else thinks. Or I don't need to listen to the pastor. Or the pastor begins to think that he's a notch above everybody else. And he don't have to listen to anybody. He says, now some are puffed up. That word means arrogant. Arrogant. As though I would not come to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will. And will know not the speech or them which are puffed up, but the power. Keep reading. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? And I, I would just like us to think about the Lord Jesus saying this to us as a church. Whatever role that we play in the church as members, let us ask us this. Let us ask ourselves this question: What will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod, or in love and in the spirit of meekness? What would y'all choose? Amen. Amen. Oh, if it was the rod, may we kiss it. May we know that if it's the rod that we need to get out the leaven, out of the lump, then Lord, strike, strike us for our good and for your glory. Oh, but Lord, if you would just help us to be humble before you that your grace might lift us up, that when you come to us, that it might be with love and in a spirit of meekness. And that's the way that I want to serve. That's the way I want to serve Christ. That's the way that I want to serve all of you as your pastor. And when I come to you, that's the way that I want you to see me. That I come in love and in the spirit of meekness. I'll leave the rod for the Lord. Leadership in the church must exhibit humility. We must lead by Christ's example and by example to be humble enough to do anything for the church. Beloved, leaders are not born, but they are made over the years as you mature in faith and in Christ. And one of the most important things and this is what I, I appreciated so much about what, and I heard this over and over and over again 
about my grandfather is that he lived a life that backed up what he believed. And that's one of the most important things. And to me, that is what humility is all about. You live a life that backs up what you believe. Just a couple of more scriptures before we go. Let's just go to them quickly. Uh, and you can meditate on these and think about these uh, later. Love this. Uh, here, uh, Titus 3, 2. Oh, this is beautiful. Could we be this way? Titus 3, 2. To speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Oh, what a challenge for us as leaders. 2 Corinthians also chapter 10. I want to get this before we close. The Apostle Paul, he says, Now, 2 Corinthians 10 beginning in verse 1, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by what? By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in whose presence I am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Paul is requesting this, he says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. May it be so among us may we always esteem others better than ourselves and then if you do then you are fit to lead second timothy our last scripture second timothy chapter two this is so important uh, a leader is someone that never needs to think that they have arrived a leader and to be humble is to believe that you can always be taught better, to be taught more, that you can always be learning, that it's not that you're dumb or that you don't know anything or, or that uh, you, know, you don't have uh, something to offer, but to never, ever think that uh, you know it all, right? You ever been around a know-it-all? Have you ever acted like one? You know, they say about pride that, that pride and arrogance is, is a disease that makes everybody else sick but the one that doesn't know he has it, right? All may, may we be this way, though, not just preachers, but, but all of us. May we be this way. 2 Timothy 2, 15, study, study. To show thyself approved unto God. How I would shudder to think. Now I've been preaching for a long time now. since I've been ordained since 1995. And I was preaching and studying God's word before then. And, I, and I've studied the Bible weekly 
uh, for years and years and years beyond just reading it, meditating on it, comparing it with other scriptures, reading after uh, men who've been incredibly gifted in the study of God's, of God's word. And so I might would think, well, oh, I'll just go into the stand and I'll just uh, preach uh, from the, uh, you know, reservoir of the knowledge that I already have in the Word of God. And indeed, there might come a time, you know, the Bible says that we have to be instant in season and out of season. And there might be a time when you're called upon uh, to preach where you didn't have uh, time to study as you would like. And you must be prepared, but I would shudder to think that I would ever come into this pulpit not having poured myself once again over the Word of God and studied it and examined it and let it examine me and study me before I would come and preach and speak before the people of God. Oh, beloved, and you too, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Oh, beloved, we need to have godly leadership in the church. It needs to come from the men first. And the men that are called to lead in this church, they need to do it with the greatest diligence. It needs to be more important to them than their job. It needs to be more important to them than, uh, you know, their entertainment or their hobbies. They must put God and his kingdom first. So much, depend, the rise or fall depends upon that. And then to do it all in a spirit of humility. To say, Lord, we're just unprofitable servants. We've only done that which was our duty to do. I just want to say, beloved, it's, it's an honor and it's the joy of my life to serve here to you for Christ. I ask for your prayers that I may never stop learning, that I may never stop decreasing that Christ might increase more and more in you and in me. May the Lord bless you and keep you as I pray.